Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. All right. Well, we're here with Cannabis Karaoke, and we're talking to Patrick Smith. Uh, we did a previous interview, but we unfortunately recorded it in the robot mode. So we're going to try to recreate the magic the best that we can. So <laughs> it was more like, <laughs> I couldn't understand anything. So, you know, uh, one of the things that we went kind of in depth on was as we ask everybody that comes on the show, like, what is it that you know, karaoke is something that you have to feel like I'm going to go bust that song out, even though you may not bust it out as best as you can kind of feel that applies to cannabis. Cause no matter how hard you do something in cannabis, you're pretty much sure to have some disappointment. So what is it about the cannabis space? You know, and you can go back to the story that you told, um, about how you got involved and then how we subsequently started working together. But, and then you can start talking about like what drives you. So if you want to start all the way back, well, I'll just jump Jason, in. Jason, you know, meeting with Jason and the bunch. You know, I'll jump in that I I've been in sales um, my whole life. Uh, I've worked um, in a camping manufacturing company. Um, I've worked in an optics company. Um, I worked for Dell Computers. So uh, I I have the sales background, and I fell into the cannabis industry on accident, uh, being at a friend's house and. Uh, swimming, and he asked me if I wanted to hear a pitch from his friend that was starting up a company. Um, my first reaction was, "No, I'm cool. I, I don't need to hear that." And he said uh, he's starting a cannabis company, and he kind of gave me a quick rundown. And when he said cannabis, that that threw a, a spark in my eye, and I said, "Yeah, I'll listen to that." And then um, this guy Linus came over and gave his. Uh, Spill on Cannabis Club TV. Uh, Linus is a.k.a. Danny Keith. <clears throat> no last names. No last names. Just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, so he laid out what uh, Cannabis Club TV was uh, about and the direction that he saw it moving. Um, an hour and 15 minutes later, I wrote a check as an investor in the company. Did you get a timeshare with that? No. <laughs> The timeshare? No. <laughs> you know how you go to those meetings, like, free meal, free trip, and then you get stuck on, like, a 12-hour tour of timeshares. You did give me uh, a couple... Uh, Chong's Choice joints? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, I got, I got something out of the meeting, so, yeah, it was good. Um, and then the weird part was, I always read the law of attraction. I, you know, what you put out to the universe is what you get back. And two weeks after we had met, um, I looked for your card, and I found it. And I gave you a call and I asked you, hey, are you looking for salespeople for Cannabis Club TV? And your response to me was, wow, man, that's weird because I was just looking for your number. I was going to call you to see if you wanted to uh, dip into the sales side of cannabis. And I came in and I met with you and uh, Dana and uh, Ryan. There might have been somebody else there, too. Um, Was your son... Oh, Zane. Yeah, Zane. Zane was doing some video editing for us at Right, the time. right. Zane yep. was there. Um, I thought, hey, these are cool people. This is a cool industry. I could work with these guys. And boom, we started up. So so one of the things I always like to know about, and we, we talked about most of this, so it's not a surprise, but 
you know, everybody had cannabis, right? Like we, cannabis is the uh, PC word for the space. Marijuana is not so bad. Um, people don't really like that one too much though. And then you got the weed, the pot, the dope, the smoke a bowl, the roll a joint. Like what is it? How, what was it in your day? First of all, what did they call when you went to go smoke some weed? What was it called? And then number two, real quick, what was the quality of that weed back then compared to the quality of, of cannabis now? My friends and family, we always called it weed. Hey, let's, let's smoke some weed. Um, dope had a different meaning. Um, stayed away from dope. Um, and the quality of the weed that I smoked in junior high and high school... Oh, some of, I don't even know if it was weed. <laughs> it could have it been. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I <laughs> if mean, you travel and, like, I've gone to Mexico a bunch and you buy weed down there and it just comes in a garbage bag. Yeah. It looks like hay, you know, right. it's, and it's usually not, uh, it's usually not something that is very nice on your lungs either. It's a little harsh, you might say. Well, when you were younger, did you ever make brownies? N- yeah, you did, but they always had big leaves in them and stuff because. You put all that you didn't realize that you had to strain it and like all. No, the stuff. no, you just you took the the leaf and you, you just, just shredded it, it in your hands, yeah. put it right in the batter. Buds, I'll be perfectly honest with you, were were almost non-existent. It was mainly leaf by the time that you got it, or or you know diced up. It was trimmed, like you right. know people would actually like. Right. You may or may not have been able to slip some oregano in on some people's baggies, but it was a it was not like we get now right. where you the you know it's te- it's like moonshine level sometimes you know we could go down to san lorenzo river san lorenzo park and buy a dime bag back in <laughs> dime bag lids two first two for fives all you kids out there don't know those terms now <laughs> so we go buy a dime bag and uh it was two fingers mm. a sandwich bag two fingers on the bottom yep. straight across and it was 10 bucks and there was little tiny buds and a lot of shake and stuff. A lot of seeds, too. Yeah, a lot of seeds. Um, and I remember the first time I grew my first plant, and I saw buds come off it, and I was so stoked. I'm like, wow, that's a real bud. So you've grown weed? You've, yes. uh, you smoke weed. Did you sell weed at one point? Ever? Not really. I mean, no, I mean... I had friends that had it. I could get it for people and stuff. Sure. And I may have added on 10 bucks or something or, hey, grab, or grab a, a bud. Little, you know, a bud up, Yeah, it. you know, uh, nothing. I, I never got into selling weed, you know. So what drives you now to be in an industry where you're, you're kind of selling this weed This industry now? is fucking crazy. Um, I don't feel like I'm selling weed. I'm selling media advertisement uh, in the cannabis industry. Um I think that when I talk to older people and they ask me, well, what do you do? And uh, one of my jobs is um, I'm in the cannabis industry. And the stigma of that is, oh, you're a stoner. And I'm not. I don't see myself as a stoner. I see myself as a salesperson in the cannabis industry. Well, we talked about that, too, on the one that – that was a great interview, by the way. That should have been the one. But we're going to do it again and make it better. We talked a little bit about different categories. There's the functional stoner. Then, then there's all the way to the guy that's doing, you know, a million dabs a day. There's such a cross-section of people and how they, you know, back in the day, we'd be lucky if we found a pipe. We'd be lucky if we found a bong. More often than not, we were smoking joints, poorly rolled joints at that. You know, just nobody really, 
had that like skill set down. You said you had a friend that rolled Hindi's or something, but it's like I didn't have that. I got the you know we got the like what I call sausage joints where it's just like big fat in the middle. Yeah, big fat in the middle and tipped out on either side and hard to pull and ends up you know flaking off in your mouth a whole bit. So my friend Robert Brown grew up in Eureka Canyon. He grew um, some plants up there, and the guy could roll a joint like nobody. Um, We called him. Hindenburgs because they were just big old fat. They're basically dime bags in two uh, zigzags. And what would a dime bag be today? <clears throat> is that like a, is that an eighth? No, or is it two grams? It, no. I think it's two grams. Would it be? I, I know they did sell them by the gram. That was ten bucks, and no, it'd be more than that. It'd huh. be like an eighth. Wow, we we got eighths for ten bucks back then, but it was not very yeah, good. Yeah, it, it was junk. You know. Not that every guest that we have on is going to live in a geographical area such as Santa Cruz. Um, how do you view Santa Cruz as being an instrumental influencer in the cannabis or weed space? Not only just from the mindset, because I have a story about Santa Cruz. I'll add on to that after that. But also, like, the quality of grow. Like, there's I – f- I almost feel like from the moment Santa Cruz became a town or a county that, like, shortly thereafter we were growing weed. Like, it just seems like it's always been here. Everybody kind of associates Santa Cruz with good weed, right? Yeah, I mean, the mountains behind Santa Cruz are some of the best fertile uh, land around to grow pot in. Um, I've had friends that lived, like I said, Robert lived up in Eureka Canyon, and he would pull out these buds, and we're like, dude, where, where'd you get this stuff? And he's like, I grew it. Because I feel like those guys are the real true pioneers that did jail time, like ran from the cops, were constantly considered an outlaw. Everybody wanted to know them because they wanted to get good weed. But at the same time, it was really a hard path. And, you know, then as we're going legal, I know I have a bunch of friends in town that have made the switch and come out of the cannabis closet and are producing and doing well. But there's still a subset of people that that don't, that still want to play black market. And I don't even think they look at it as black market. They just look at it as almost holistic like we've done this forever we don't need anybody's authorization to do it like i ran into a friend an acquaintance of yours and mine um the other night i shouldn't say the other night you know when you get old the other night means i don't know what you're talking about six months ago a year ago hey i saw that guy the other day yeah yeah he hasn't been in town in like two years yeah Yeah, that's what i mean the other day the other day i get you so uh uh, he was in the black market, and he was growing weed in big quantities in the 80s, 90s. Mm. And he was really upset that the industry went uh, legal because he's losing out on a lot of money, and he's having to sell his stuff now for, oh, no- it's ridiculous. for nothing. I mean, Two years ago, a pound was you know, 3500 bucks. Now, 900 900 to 1200 you can get some fire people. I've seen people pay 18 and two for like just fire indoor, but yeah, you're totally right. Like the, the reason to grow, unless you're like a, you're a Dr. Green thumb and you want to be a grower, you want to have your own little private patch. This really isn't there anymore. I mean, no. you could grow some half ass stuff and sell it and do okay. People will be stoked. Oh, it's from Santa Cruz or it's from California. You know, not to say that, that people do uh, shoddy growing, but I'm just saying it was, it had that moniker of like Santa Cruz had good wheat. In fact, it has such a reputation that when we did go from Prop 215 to 64 and we became medicinally able to walk in or recreationally legal to walk in and buy without a, a, a medical ID card, Santa Cruz is one of the 
small areas in the state of California and the Bay Area that really didn't see an uptick. In fact, they saw a little bit of a downtick because people weren't driving here anymore from other cities that were dry to get their weed. They were they would stay home in San Jose, Fresno, Modesto, wherever they were coming from. Um, you know, and I personally never thought we would see it's at the at the same time it's moving at light speed at the other same time it feels like we're dragging our feet on certain things. I mean, we only have legal just under 500 dispensaries in the state. Before we did prop 64, we had, you know, a couple thousand. Right. And so it's it's I too have friends that are. I don't know if they're bitter that it the regulation component came out, he or that they, or that they didn't bank on the fact that it was actually going to work because we've been tricked a few times, right? As Californians and as people that were consuming weed, it's like we had Prop Two Fifteen, but there was it was a kind of windy, crazy road, and there were big dry patches in the state that if you got caught with weed, it was just as bad as being in Kansas and. You know, it really wasn't that overarching like support. Well, that's one thing about the being in the cannabis industry is every time you wake up in the morning, there is no set path to what you're doing. You're not selling insurance. You're not selling used cars, whatever. That you need to go in and read about what's happened overnight because there's so many changes day to day in the cannabis industry, and I kind of find that intriguing like wow you know what am i gonna find out today how am i gonna you know approach my uh customers today who is out of the game who is new in the game it's just it's such a revolving door in the cannabis industry that it's very interesting and it's intriguing and it makes you just want to stay in the game and uh learn what has to be learned out there every day to day it's just so where do you get your news? Like, so that's a big component. I, I swear the cannabis space, no matter what you're doing in it, you almost have to follow it like it's the stock market because there are so many changes, acquisition, mergers, investments. I mean, every day it seems like there's another, you know, seven, eight, nine figure deal being done right. between people. And and that's just primarily Canada and and the United States, it's like it, there's some other things happening outside. So, what where do what does someone like yourself find your news? Like, what do you go look at every day to to kind of follow trends? I'm not real educated on the backside of uh, computers, Google, this and that. Um, but I do go look at clients' websites, Instagrams. So I get a lot of uh, tossback of ads, new companies. Um, was it, uh, leaf, leaf, leaf wire. wire. Um, I'm a member of that. So they send me a lot of stuff. I read all that stuff. And then we have Dana internally who is like a current events guy. He keeps us pretty up on, do you read most of those that come through? Yeah, right, right. Um, your podcast, um, I'll turn on your podcast. I'll put in uh, one, my one ear and kind of work away and listen and, you just learn so much, uh, the lingo, what's happening, who bought out who, and you're like, what? How much? Did right. I read that wrong? Right. You know. And then the other thing about that is that people that think that, oh, you're in the cannabis industry, I read about that. Right. You're making bank, bro. I've already seen the stigma change. I mean, besides people thinking that we're making bank, I've already seen my own family members, like, were, you know, 
I've always had a, a side eye cast at me, whoever I dated, and obviously my wife, you know, their family, you know, loves me to death, I'm sure. But once at the same time, they're like, what's this guy up to right now, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, now they're kind of asking questions around, like, you know, the non-psychoactive components, uh, hemp, CBD creams, or TH, small percentage CBD creams, THC, um, yeah. right, tinctures and stuff like that. I, I think we're still kind of seeing that emerge and... And I really, you know, I spoke to a brand the other day. This, again, goes back to the learning aspect, which is, you know, we've always gone, at first it was always, hey, bro, this is a good sativa. Or, hey, this is a good indica. And then it was, hey, this is a good, you know, Jack Herrera. Or, I mean, we didn't even have wedding cake or anything else. It was like, you know, Maui Wowie, a couple other, right? Now they have so many different crazy strains. And now I'm starting to hear, you know, companies that are focused on, the new cannabis person, like I look at it like wine, right? The, there's the wine industry that, you know, there's people that buy good wine, stoked on good wine. There's sure. people that buy box wine. And then there's people that know like the acidic compound of every single, this thing came from a right. this square patch. Of, you know, they know all the way down. And I feel like that cannabis is going to be that same way. And I see some brands, Candescent is one of them, uh, Dosist is another one, where they're going after the effect, right? So you want to play, you want to feel relaxed. You want to feel de-stressed. You want to whatever. You don't buy a strain. You don't buy a, uh, a, a, a name. You buy basically a, an experience. You're buying, I want to be relaxed. And they'll take it and they'll take almost blend. Some of these people are blending the plant, you know. And so I think as the new customer comes on and still comes on that you're going to see those people that buy just experience. based off experience and you're going to still have the connoisseur guy. Which one are you? Uh, free. Free. <laughs> uh, I asked that question to Tommy. What's your favorite weed? I go, hey, what's your favorite strain of weed? And he said, other people's. <laughs> um, I like indica. Um, I'm more, uh, I smoke at night. Uh, I'm really busy during the day. Um, so I usually try to get all my shit done. And at the end of the night, when things are done, boom, I'll roll a Hindi. A Hindi. And because uh, I learned how. And uh, smoke at night. The one thing I did want to bring up about this industry that was really amazing to me was that uh, Cannabis Club TV, uh, we had a booth at Emerald Cup in Santa Rosa. And it was a two day event or three day event, two day? I, I don't day, remember. I know we had an orange couch there. Right, right. We had a two day event and. Um, what was the turnout at Emerald Cup? 200,000 people? No, I wouldn't say it was that many. I'd no. say it's probably like 25,000 people 25, a, a day maybe. I, I'm, and I'm maybe totally off because I actually have not gone to look at And I feel bad about that because I'm really good friends with the guys that run that. So I should know that number off the top of my head. But I'm gonna let's say, just say it was I'm going to say, I'm gonna say there was 70,000 people there in the weekend. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that over the weekend. Right, I, you know, right. and, and we should probably... And here's the thing I wanted to bring up about the industry is that I was there for two days with estimated 70,000 people. I did not see one argument. I did not see one fight. I did not see any aggro people. Um, I bumped into somebody on accident. They turned around, hey, man, sorry. And I'm like, no, 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 I I bumped into you. And they're like, sorry anyway, you know. Um, You take that event and you add alcohol to it. Well, first of all, no one's handing you a beer. Everywhere I go in one of those shows, someone's going, hey, man, want to smoke a drink? Remember, 
Wait, was I with you at Hall Flowers? I wasn't with you at Hall Flowers, but I smoked a joint with this girl, this lady. And then I ran into her at a club in Hollister, and we were looking at each other, and we're like, I know you from somewhere. And then we were both going through it, different events, and she goes, I remember I was walking out of the out of the building. You were walking out. We kind of ran into each other. You passed my booth. We ran into each other. We walked out, and we I offered to smoke a J with you. And I said, you know, that to your point, man, nobody's doing that in, in alcohol. And I feel like you're dead on, man. Like people – People get silly on alcohol. That it just makes them. Stupid. I do see events though, like you know, Emerald Cup had a beer garden. People were drinking beer, right? Weren't they? I, I didn't see that. I think there was a beer garden. I'm pretty sure there was. Maybe uh, there wasn't. Probably was. I mean, the, the God, beer industry is not going to be, you know, let that slip away. Well, but. I think we're about to see a whole new movement on, you know, I. I you're going to see bars that are specific to cannabis. Oh, sure. You know, not just smoking it, but drinking it, eating it. It's going to be a, a whole, it's going to redefine social activities to go from having a drink in your hand to probably not having to have anything in your hand because you've passed you it. You just to the, ate a cookie. You just <laughs> ate a cookie and you just pass it on. You just pass the joint on to the next person. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, what were we talking about? You just ate a cookie. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think people are, you know, I think these events when they're done right, I think people are gonna gonna have fun, be entertained. I still think there's a subset of people that are and may never go to one of those events because they it's just not their thing. But they want good cannabis, and I think right. that you know is something that drives me that I want people to understand and be educated on the products that are out there. And that's what you get to do. You get to build that relationship between the brand and the consumer, um, with the use of the dispensary sometimes. And that's gotta be fulfilling. I mean, do you feel being that you sold, I've sold a lot of stuff too. I'm a sales guy. I feel for some reason, like I just feel good. Sometimes you feel a little dirty when you get somebody, you know, I could sell cars and the most you could sell that car for, get you paid more and you know you just triple pounded that guy and you just made a thousand bucks yourself but you're like whatever i gotta get paid i feel like there is some of that happening in cannabis but for the most part people are truly here for to help people and to move the mission along it's the largest moving along mission i've ever been a part of i think one of a a feel-good story that i heard was somebody that wasn't very outgoing went into a dispensary and felt I really don't want to talk to a bud tender about, you know, what this is and that. And they said that, you know, they saw the Cannabis Club TV and got information right off it and then took the information from the Cannabis Club TV right up to the bud tender and said, I want that. And the bud tender said, yeah, okay, here it is. Boom. And it made that person feel so at ease going into a dispensary that, you know, there wasn't going to be all these questions like, you know, so what strain are you after? And, you know, like, uh, I really don't know strains. Right. Uh, are you, are, do you dab? Uh, I don't know what dabbing is. <laughs> uh, you know, wh- wh- why are you in here? You know, it makes someone feel stupid. Right. You know, and not everybody's going to feel that way, but this person did. I see a lot of people hesitant to go into clubs. Yeah. But this person sat in a waiting room and got the information right off the Cannabis Club TV, yeah. walked up to the bud tender and said, I want to try that. Where, what do you think the next, uh, you know, I, I have my predictions on the space. What do you feel like the next, 
big thing is going to be? I mean, is it going to be federal descheduling? Is it going to be banking that takes care of it? Is it going to be taxation changes? Like those are all fundamental administrative things. Or is it going to be new product lines, new customer awareness, new events? Like what is it? What's the I next think thing that for cannabis? in the next couple of years that um, it's going to be opened up to all states, and that the banking industry is is not going to let that pass by. They're going to have to open up their arms to the. But they can't. As long as I almost feel like you have to deschedule before you can have banking. So many people have tried to create banking systems within, like Colorado. There was a credit union that Colorado was like ready to let go, and the Federal Reserve would not acknowledge their charter as a bank because they were taking cannabis money. And there are banks that do take cannabis deposits, but I still know a lot of people that are burying lots of money or just they're, they're paying. And that's not a good thing. They're paying for everything cash. You know what I mean? And so I feel like me personally, I think the next phase is, I mean, I think we're going to see a whole flip phase of brands being bought, dispensaries being bought, dispensaries closing, I think we're we're going to see what I consider a shedding of the space or like a um a reemergence Do if you, you will. see McDonald's, Pepsi, Coke, um you know those players getting involved? I mean, you're already seeing the alcohol industry with Constellation Brands coming in on a big significant investment, you know, into the space and it hit their stock. You know, their stock took a hit when they did that. Right. Um I still think we have a pretty good divide between conservative really conservative people that look at cannabis as a harmful drug, which I think our biggest challenge is to really get people like if you're willing, like anybody that watches a commercial on TV and takes that pill and is willing to deal with all of those side effects that come off that pill should not be worried what a plant does. It's like saying you shouldn't eat lettuce because this other type of lettuce we have is much better, but it's going to give you diarrhea and make you bleed out of your nose and your eyeballs but this won't, but it'll make you feel good. I think we've done such a good job as, as a, as a country and as a, a government of instilling this like fear of like, if you do this, you know, whereas if you look at the opiate crisis, it's like that was manufactured by us, by yeah. man, by doctors, by, by relationships between doctors and, and the, Pharmace- and the pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceutical companies giving them those drugs. So I think the first thing you have to remove is you got to have the, and as much as people want to hate on John Boehner for at acreage for stepping out of the government and going into a a cannabis company. Oh, sell it. Oh, now you're on board. Unfortunately, if we want to get where we want to get as cannabis consumers and cannabis business people, you, you never walk away with everything you want. So you got to be able to let the devil in the room because that person has the influence on the other devils in the room that put could potentially open that up. I think, I think if uh, it really comes down to you know, like I don't ever see Chick Fil A going into weed, but who knows? You know what I mean? Um, and in Colorado, you're allowed to smoke in a McDonald's. I've seen them, you know. At least that's what I've I've read in the past. You know, so I think it's going to come down to state by state. I think you know, if you look at how alcohol is regulated, it's really regulated state by state right. with some federal guidelines, and so. You got states that are dry. You got states that own the liquor stores. You got state, and that's happening. You know, New Mexico's playing with all being state-run dispensaries. Have you ever had, tried to have a beer in Salt Lake City? Yeah, on a Sunday. Forget it. And even at the airport, <laughs> and they give you this menu that has um, alcohol that's like two point five percent. Yeah, you have to drink and, seven of them just to get a buzz. And 
I realized when I was there, this person said, hey, ask him for the other menu. And I asked him for the other menu. And then they give you the regular beer. I never got that. I did. <laughs> and I've had crazy stories, but I did Sundance. And so I was in Salt Lake for some time and um, had a hard time finding alcohol. Uh, I'll tell you, even in the clubs. And so I think you're still going to see that kind of right. restriction. And then I think business-wise, when we look forward-facing at like a Pepsi or a Coca-Cola company or a Nabisco or whomever, like, you know, the Jelly Belly dude, he decided he's going to make CBD Jelly Bellies. What's stopping M&Ms from doing that? Right. You know, next thing you know, you got CBD-infused M&Ms. So I think it also comes down to the ownership or the management of that particular company, the executive team, to be willing, if they're a, co- a company that's publicly traded, to take a risk on their stock getting hit for the sake of profits. Right. Because it's funny, you can still pay dividends if your stock takes a hit, you know, if you're profitable. It's just a perception, right? It's like what people are selling off. It's, And so maybe they'll shed some of the people that don't want them to do it, and maybe they'll get some of the people that think it's a good idea because there's a lot of money in it. And I think that um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, who's to say that we're not going to see Dori- CBD Doritos? I mean, that... Who eats, I mean, the biggest stoner treat of the world, Doritos, you know, nacho cheese Dorito chips. Like, I can't, that they would make millions if they, Carl's Jr.'s did it, CBD infused hamburger. They couldn't, they sold out of them on 420. Remember that? We talked about that. <laughs> it's crazy. What let, What do you want to leave everybody with? What's your advice I, for the cannabis space? What do, what do you? It's you, a crazy industry. Uh, get in it. Be ready to uh, pivot here and there. I think that, uh Cannabis Club TV, we are on to something huge here. Um, I know that the uh, people that we brought on board have seen huge upticks in their sales of products. So we've got something moving forward. We've got a great group of people working here. And uh, spread the word, man. (laughs) Well, Smitty, I appreciate you being on. Listen, it's not hard to be in this space. It's hard to make it in this space. And not to say that we're making it, but we're doing a good job at least trying. Um, Until next time, Smitty. Go Warriors. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.